We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That was one we really, really had to have. Do you guys all agree? Yes, that was a really important game. That was a gut check kind of game. All right, that They came in here with every intention of ruining our season and making their season, and you didn't let them do it. All right, That's what, that's what a championship team does. It doesn't have to be pretty and sweet and all that kind of stuff. It's just got to be tough and hard, and it's got to be, it's got to be what's got to be done. And you did what had to be done, all right? Defense, you got stops when you had to get them. You got stops in the goal line. You got stops on third down. You got stops on fourth down. How about for the defense, offense? <laughs> offense, you got it done. You got done what you had to get done, okay? And it wasn't going to be pretty out there. It's about zero degrees out there. The wind's blowing. But we ran the football. We ran, I don't know what the yards were, and I don't care. We got the yards we had to get when we had to get them. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh moments ago inside Emmett T-Bank Stadium on Christmas Eve in Baltimore. It was a winning post-game press conference. And for Ravens fans, Christmas came a little bit early. Baltimore takes down the Atlanta Falcons 17-9 in this Week 16 matchup that, man, they didn't have to have it. But sure, boy, did it feel like they had to have it. Sarah Ellison, welcome into the Ravens Vault podcast Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Again, 17 to 9 is the final. This is your instant reaction episode here on the Ravens Vault podcast, simulcasting and streaming live on all platforms right now. And partner, they got it done on the ground. And most importantly, yet again, they got it done defensively. And that was two staples today for for the Ravens on the coldest ever game recorded in the 26-year history of the Ravens at the bank. Shout out to all the fans and all those that were able to, you know, gut that one out. They were, they seemed extra loud on defense, and I'm sure part of it was because the defense was playing well, but I think the other part is that they needed to jump around to stay warm. <laughs> so, uh, but, but big picture, it's just, you know, this is a nice Christmas Eve present from the Ravens. Uh, they have now been with Lamar, without Lamar, for three games. They've won two of those three games. Um, they finished the game that he got knocked out of with a big time, you know, that that uh, game-winning drive. So uh, technically, kind of three out of four, if you if you count him as the as the half game there. So um, as you said, it wasn't a, you know, technically it wasn't if they lost, they still would have had, you know, playoff opportunities ahead and not wild ones but um but because things have been so tough going on offense it's been feeling like it's been slipping away um so to see some progress on offense still not a ton 17 points there 
did finally break a, dr- a touchdown drought from 20 straight possessions of not being able to score a touchdown. We They broke the, the streak of a wide receiver not scoring a touchdown since week three. So some signs of life on offense, which you know would only get better with, with Lamar Jackson. So you will take any win while your starting MVP quarterback is on the sideline. He was there. He was in the huddles. He was trying to encourage his team. So there are still some things, big time, some things to be concerned about. But, you know, just feels good to get a little Christmas magic and seeing that offense come back alive. But to your point, this defense played lights out. Thanks to Cincinnati taking care of business late in that New England game and holding on in Foxborough. The Ravens have clinched their postseason berth. So the division is still up for grabs. Obviously that week 18 regular season finale game against the Bengals is looming, but the Ravens did go ahead with Tyler Huntley under center as he has been in recent weeks, clinched themselves a postseason berth. And Hey partner, all you got to do is get in, get in. And can they continue to peak? Uh, They're not peaking yet on all phases. Certainly not. But as Rod Woodson said, I was just listening to him moments ago, on the Ravens radio postgame show. The, the defense has been peaking for weeks now. And he thinks, matter of fact, and this is sort of the bold statement here that I think I might be in line with, he thinks it's the best defense league-wide. And for him to be saying that, not only Rod, you know, of Rod's stature, but where this group was two months ago, pretty miraculous. It is pretty miraculous. I was, I was pleasantly surprised uh by the way the middle of the defensive middle of the defensive line played uh with Clayus Campbell going down um Tyler Algier is a bowling ball we talked about this <laughs> this my boy from BYU we talked about this in our pre preview show he is a bowling ball he will wreck you he will break tackles now from right from a rushing standpoint i thought the middle of the line did a great job they gave up 74 yards to him, 4.1 yards uh, per carry. That you can live with. He added another 43 yards through the air. Uh, so he broke 100 overall. But strictly speaking, from that middle of the the middle of the line, I was very – Broderick Washington, it just, like, continues to play lights out. Him and Justin Matabike in the middle of that line. Travis Jones, I felt like, had a couple of plays. Then Roquan and Patrick Queen just reading the holes in the line. I'm thinking of the one fourth, fourth and I think one, maybe less than one at the goal line. And the the defensive line holds up so that Patrick Queen can go through it untouched and then stop them in the backfield. So uh, very, very impressed with the offensive line. We also talked about how nervous we were about Brandon Stevens filling in for Marcus Peters. Now this one, hey, he did what he was supposed to do against the competition that he had. But I don't feel as comfortable with him as I do in the defensive line. Uh, the, the, if you can fathom this, the Falcons are one of the few teams that are worse in a passing game a scenario on offense. They're ranked second worst. The Ravens are the fourth worst. So I'm not going to get, you know, feel like this is the second coming with Brandon Stevens. It's going to be fine with Marcus Peters. I think the Ravens need him back. But 
But on that defensive line with Tyler Algier, I was impressed with what those those big guys did in the middle. This is a defense that uh, in the month of December, which of course December football is over for them, they'll next see the Steelers at home on New Year's Day. And uh, Ryan Mink put these totals together from BaltimoreRavens.com. This group gave up just three touchdowns and 45 points in December. That was, of course, four games. And then on top of that, Ravens haven't allowed a touchdown at home since October 23rd. So Mike McDonald's group deserves a ton of credit. Quite literally, that group is carrying this team. And they've it's been carrying this team for probably a month now. So, again, to see that in-season turnaround that we referenced off the top there, it speaks volumes and it's a testament to uh, what this organization has done, what Mike McDonald has done, and, and ultimately what his players have done execution-wise. You mentioned Patrick Queen at the top. We know the one-two combo tandem that he and Roquan Smith have become since he was uh, brought in here from Chicago. And PQ talk with Garrett Downing after this one was over on a frozen tundra and the T-Bank Stadium turf. Patrick, congratulations. You get a win here on a cold day in Baltimore on Christmas Eve. What does this win mean for this team? Well, it means a lot. Uh, you know, outside looking in, we got our spot. Uh, got to see how everything play out to see where we could go and stuff. But right now, all that matters is that we got the dub. Your defense was dominant today. Didn't give up a touchdown all day. What allowed you to have so much success? I think we're just coming out here. We want to play a complete game. I think uh, the last few weeks, we haven't put a complete game together. That's what the main focus was, just putting a complete game together. And I think that we are on the way to still to doing that. What's allowing you to play so well right now? You're playing all over the field once again, got a sack. I mean, you're, you're playing lights out right now. I'm playing pissed off, man. That's it. <laughs> I, I'm just playing pissed off. Uh, it's just stuff that in my life that uh, just triggered me to keep going. Uh, been doubted a lot coming in from college and stuff. So now it's just the point of me proving to myself that I'm, I'm worth it. It doesn't get much colder than this. How excited are you to get to that locker room and warm up? Bruh, it's too cold. I'm from down <laughs> south. I don't like the cold weather. But, I mean, I like playing football in cold weather because not everybody want to run the ball like that in cold weather. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm really getting it. Hot or cold, you guys got the win, man. No matter. We got the dub. That's all that matters. Absolutely. Go enjoy this one. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm sensing a little bit of a theme here, partner. Remember, we last heard from Mark Andrews and his uh, post game. I shouldn't say post game, but his press media availability this week. And it's a, a similar demeanor there. You heard PQ. I'm playing pissed off. There's multiple guys that are playing pissed off on this team, and it's starting to become contagious. And again, it's a Falcons team that's five and ten now, right? They were clinging to their playoff hopes. So uh, this kind of uh, performance isn't going to cut it, as we often talk about against the AFC elites. You're going to have to finish more drives. You're going to have to, uh, you know, uh, be more consistent on third down and have more of a passing attack, and and all those things that we'll get to later. Uh, but ultimately, it's it feels as if they're heading in that direction towards peaking. And when Lamar Jackson comes back, anything can happen. But they're a long way from that. But these are the pieces that that seem to be coming together. I don't know where the Ravens would be right now without this defense. And especially since Roquan just, you know, teamed up with PQ in the middle there. And like you said, I, I they are. They're ticked off. They're ticked off. And I get it because there's a lot of negativity in Baltimore right now. It's just that that negativity is more tilted towards one person in particular, which we'll get to. But that one person and that all that anger is overshadowing what guys like Patrick Queen are doing. It's overshadowing what guys like Roquan Smith is doing or, or Roderick Washington, like we said. It's overshadowing. Falcons were one for four on fourth down 
gold to go. They were 0 and 2. Uh, overall red zone. How many times did they make it to the red zone? Because it did feel like they got it there a few times. I just see the gold to go. Let me see the red. Oh, red zone. Oh, for four in the red zone. Okay. Mm. That's, that's playing lights out. And I mean, they were on the cusp so many times. So it's like we said with Mark Andrews, I'm glad they're ticked off. I'm glad for it. You know, like, because the, because it's what you just said, and we've been saying it for 16 weeks now. The Ravens still haven't played their best football. On defense, they're definitely getting there for sure. But they still haven't played their best football, so you got to be ticked off because you know you're capable of so much more. Even with all the weaknesses that they have, hello, pass game. Um, yeah, you know, I don't expect this past game uh, when I talk about expectations, I don't expect this past game to be much above the, you know, the top 25 in the league or whatever, but everywhere else, it just is, it's been so close. So I love it. I love that they're ticked off and, and they just, I just don't know where they would be without Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith right now, because they have transformed this defense to, to Rod Woodson's point, perhaps the best in the league right now. Ryan Jones checking in on our YouTube live stream. If you haven't already done so, please like the video. If you've been enjoying our content and hit us up with a comment in terms of where you want us to steer this instant reaction conversation here on the Ravens Vault podcast post-game live stream. Brian says, shout out Brandon Stevens, a quality start. We mentioned him at the top. We know Marcus Peters is dealing with a calf strain. We don't know his timetable, but he and Calais Campbell were both banged up in Cleveland. Both sat this one out. And while their presences will always, always be missed because that's the type of quality players that they are, uh, Brian's on to something here, Sarah, because Brandon not only got a shout-out from his head coach in his post-game press conference, but he popped out there today, and he's had his struggles, right? I think about the Jacksonville game, uh, for one. You know, I think about a couple other games where that he was targeted. He was picked on a little bit by opposing teams' offenses and um, bigger guys. You know, he's a he's – a, He's not that uh, imposing of a guy. I mean, he's a pretty undersized corner uh, for the NFL. And so for him to kind of sub in for Marcus and not hear, we didn't hear his name called all that often, right? And at the corner position, that tends to be a decent thing. Yeah, like I said, I'm never I'm never going to like down downplay what um, a backup does when he does what he's supposed to do, especially – uh, against these guys. He was physical, as you would expect, coming over from... Uh, thank you, David, by the way. Appreciate that. Happy Festivus to you. Appreciate the the donation there. But um, he was physical. There was one play I really enjoyed where he... Um, I can't remember who the other defender was, but um, he left his defender because he was able to read a play and then come over and make a tough tackle. Uh, it, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but... Uh, just for him to be able to read that situation and be able to peel off and help his teammate when, when he knew where the ball was going. So I give props to, to Brennan Stevens. I'm also not going to get ahead of myself. Again, this is the 20, no, the 31st ranked pass defense. Their number two receiver tonight was their running back outside of, of Drake London, who Marcus uh, or Marlon Humphrey was mostly defending tonight. Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know, did an okay job. Seven, seven receptions, 96 yards to, to London. 
And they really didn't have anything outside of that. So, again, Brennan Stevens did what he was supposed to do. But I'm also not going to get ahead of myself and feel like, ah, Ravens are good without Marcus Peters because the Ravens are going to need him back. Fair enough. Fair enough. The aforementioned Marlon Humphrey did have, did produce the game's only turnover. And in Marlon Humphrey fashion, I should say old school Marlon Humphrey fashion, because it feels like a long time since we've seen this signature move by him. The punch came back and Harbs absolutely loved it. Yeah, that was that was classic Marlon Humphrey, right? Great to see. And you know, he got the tough assignment. He got he got London, you know, and he was he was following him all over the field. And that's a tough, tough job. It's dude six five and he's really good and quarterback and he have a connection. So Marlon had a heck of a game. I thought I thought Brandon Stevens came in and played very well to be commended coming in for Marcus Peters. You know, the safeties are playing well, Hamilton, of course, uh, uh, Marcus Williams and Chuck. You know, there's nothing going really deep on us. I think, you know, yeah. You know, we, we, you know, but that's, you know, it's hard to throw the ball down the field on those safeties right now. So I feel really good about our entire defense. There's nothing going deep on us, Sarah. That feels so good because again, two months ago, that was not the case. But what I'm referring to there and what John was talking about at the top of that clip was remember the Falcons complete their fourth down conversion. Uh, Desmond Ritter does to Drake London for 20 yards. It's in the second quarter. Marlon comes out of nowhere with just, uh, as, as Jonas Schaefer put it on Twitter, this was dope. I mean, this was absolutely <laughs> filthy from Marlon. It was one of the classic punch outs from him, perfectly executed. The timing was perfect. Drake London wasn't ready. We talked to Tori McElhaney in our preview, in our game preview episode for the Falcons perspective. She said, hey, Drake is great, but ball security can be an issue. It was the week prior in their loss, and it was again this time around. And, and Patrick Queen was right there, ready to go to scoop that ball up, and the Ravens, you know, get to – you know, they get the turnover and that's a huge pivotal play in the game. But, you know, obviously we hadn't seen that from Marlin for a while now. It had to have felt like, uh, you know, the adrenaline must have been flowing for him. But again, that the execution there and, and everything that has to go right, timing wise, strength wise, getting your fist on it. Exceptional. I loved it. The camera angle on it was perfect. I mean, he just he executed it perfectly because you never want to, like, go for that punch out at the expense of a tackle right in case he happens to like miss on the punch uh so he's he's got it down but he had both perfect because even if he didn't hit the punch he also had him wrapped up and i just don't understand how he does that so well i mean it was just one of those straight in hit it right where it needed to be it was landed the ball perfectly but as soon as that was done just in case his whole body was wrapped around him so listen all pros uh, rosters I don't believe has been announced yet so right now we're going to go with uh, Pro Bowl Marlowe uh, we'll see if he gets in the the all pro yet again he certainly is playing well enough to do so I said where would this defense be right now without Roquan and PQ but add Marlon Humphrey to that list you have to you have to and as Hoedown Tunes writes in the Ravens have the best pair of middle linebackers in the game, and that could very well be the case. I want that sample size to grow a little bit before I start kind of talking that junk. I mean, we know Roquan was talking that junk a couple weeks ago in Pittsburgh, remember? I mean, he was he was straight up saying, yeah, hey, we're putting the league on notice, and he continues to back up that kind of talk. Today, he had finishes with a game-high 15 total tackles, seven of which were solo, one tackle for loss, but again, Man, there's so much that he does sideline to sideline, cleaning things up, pressure, uh, assignment, communication, you name it, that that does not show up on the box score. Simply put, 
And uh, that's why his value is just through the roof. And I know a lot of people in the comment section tonight, Sarah, and, and have been saying this for weeks. They want EDC to lock this guy down for the long term and be more. Well, reportedly, that's what they're trying to do. Hopefully, hopefully get him locked down uh, maybe before the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what they have to do. Where's is Patrick Queen? Is he in his fifth year right now? BQ is in his, he came out in, uh, let's see, 2018 was Lamar. That means PQ was 2020, right? So he should be in his fourth season. Okay, so they can they can exercise his, yeah, one, two, three, four. Yeah, so they can exercise his fifth-year option, which won't be cheap but doable uh, to hopefully keep these guys together at least one more year, assuming that they're able to get a deal done with, with Roquan Smith. But he absolutely, absolutely should be signed. He's just – and people talk about, you know, position value and all of that, and, and I'm just like – the value of Roquan Smith is different because he's a linebacker. No, I mean, we can all feel it. We can all see it. We can see the effect he's having on this game. I mean, we've talked about it. The Ravens defense has been night and day since, since he joined. And so listen, if you don't want to pay him because he's a linebacker, good on you. That's how he landed in the, in the Ravens lap, right? Because they didn't, yeah. they didn't want to pay him. And so, fine we'll take him we know from the ray lewis days what a middle linebacker can do and again that was a different football era but we're seeing it again i mean it just it just is making this defense from really good to elite and why you wouldn't want to hold on to that i i, I don't know but uh i think he's proven to be the highest paid inside linebacker because a he's playing like like it and b He's the next guy. The next guy always gets paid the most. And so, fine, if everybody undervalues linebackers, better for the Ravens because the linebacker position won't be, uh, you know, crazy, crazy money like you'll see at other positions. So, fine, we'll take the guy that makes our defense from good to great to elite and, and not have to pay crazy money because the rest of the league doesn't value his position. Let me just correct myself, too. PQ is a third-year player. Year four is next year. So next year, they'll have a chance to pick up that fifth-year option. So we will see, yeah. in all likelihood, if Roquan is signed to a long-term extension, we, we will see these two for at least another season. So the fourth and final year of PQ's rookie deal is forthcoming. And then hopefully, if he keeps playing like this, they'll be able to pick up the option and also sign Roquan to uh, a long-term extension. Kyle Hamilton. This guy is playing lights out. I know that we, I know I made sure to talk a little bit about how he was picked on last weekend in Cleveland. And I thought that was a fair discussion to have. If this was a, a bounce back performance, then gosh, yeah, it certainly worthy of that. He is, man, they're just asking so much of him, Sarah. And he went down with some friendly fire today. I think Roquan Smith was sort of a bang, bang play. They got banged up, you know, and he's down for a few minutes and he was back out there a couple plays later. Like the toughness, the grit, the, he's, he seems to be widening his horizons workflow wise, every workload wise, I should say every single week and answering the bell. I think coming out of the draft, he was obviously uh, praised for his his body, his body size, like for how long and tall he is. Um, and, you know, he's just like this long, rangy kind of guy. 
Um, but the second thing is his instincts. And I thought those, those his instincts were on display tonight. Um, and, and his, and his long body. Like there was a pass breakup, uh, on the Falcons tight end, I think early in the first quarter where it's like, how many times have the Ravens had a hard time defending against, against tight ends? So I'm especially giddy when I see, you know, a play made against a tight end where he just used his long arms to reach over and, and, and break up uh, the ball there. And then there was one on a screen. I think he read really, really well. And he just, he's, you know, he's quick, quick in, in like these, you know, these movements. And maybe that's partly because of his instincts, but Every single week, every single drive, every single play, he impresses me more and more and more. And as you said, they are asking him to do a lot, even when you've got two other starting safeties. And so to Harbaugh's point that we heard in that in that press conference, he's like, I, I wouldn't want to throw the ball on these three safeties. You know, they are all three of them. I mean, I mean, enjoy it while we can, because this isn't going to come around very often. You got Chuck Clark, who had a, a great game, uh, Williams, and then Kyle Hamilton, like soak it up because we only got a few more games of it. I'm, I'm assuming Chuck Clark will be a free agent and he'll be going his own way and totally get that. The Ravens need to move forward with their big free agent signing and count and, and Kyle Hamilton, their first round pick. And uh, but man, I'm just going to soak it up while I can having these three safeties. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Who knows what happens with Chuck? I mean, we all remember what happened over the summer with you know, sort of the the leaked report that they were looking to to deal him. And then, you know, what did he do, Sarah? Didn't hold out, showed up, did not miss any of the offseason activities. A prideful guy, you know, and a former sixth-round pick out of Virginia Tech who, you know, stuck around for a second contract in the NFL. That percentage-wise, by the way, six-round picks who earn and stick around and have a, uh, enough longevity to stick around for a, a, a second deal in the NFL – that's a small percentage. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I know it's small. And for Chuck to have done that uh, speaks speaks volumes. You ready to switch over to the other well, side of the football, or where you want to go to next? Your point, real quick to your point, because I think you are you're probably right. The dead money of letting go Chuck Clark. Well, actually, that would have been this year. Next year, the cap hit his cap hit is six point two million. Dead money would be two point six. So uh, I have a hard time seeing him back. And uh, you know, and if they held on to him, I'm sure he would do what he did this year and just put his head down and keep and keep playing anyway. All right, so here's here's where I'll go next, and I'll do it as a transition to to the defense. I thought um, Greg Roman nearly, I mean, just put the defense in a really really bad place in about oh, five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Ravens get the ball back, and you had there was an 11 point lead at that at that point. All you got to do is run the ball. Even if you don't convert, run the ball and and either force them to use timeouts or if they're out, train the clock. But Gus Edwards was going off in the fourth quarter. But throughout the whole game, he averaged, the last time I looked, it was 10, just under 10 yards. Okay, so his average was nine yards today. He had 11 carries for 99 yards. So you got an average of nine. Okay. At the time it was 9.8. All you got to do is drain the clock, get this game over that with, this is what you do. And then, and then he gives Gus the ball at first and they were backed up. Remember it was after that fourth and one 
stopped by yeah. the defense. The defense just, they looked like they were starting to tire. The Falcons were starting to be able to run on them. And it was just like, oh, are they going to have it in them? And then they were able to stand tall, come up with that fourth down uh, turnover. And then he gives it to Gus. Gus gets him out of the goal line, gets him a first down. And then I think maybe he had one more. I, I can't remember. But then he went pass and pass and maybe took 10, 15 seconds off the clock. Why do you have Gus Edwards but for this moment? Why do you have J.K. Dobbins but for this moment? Why? Why are we thinking, outthinking ourselves, outthinking the room? Like, trust your ball carriers. And we just went through this last week. Except last week the excuse was, well, we were down by double digits and I wanted to come back. And then he goes, but but looking back, at you know, it was like, gee, okay, maybe I could have run some more. This time you're up by 11. There's even less on the clock. You don't want to give the ball back, but if you have to, take as many seconds off the clock as you can. That was mind-boggling to me. So when so when the defense went back out there, I was like, this is just unfair. They just did this massive drive where the Falcons were just running, running, running with, again, Tyler Algier, who's just, as I said, a wrecking ball, and you put him right back out there less than two minutes later because you're throwing the ball with 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 Tyler Huntley and 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 this receiving core and I just I didn't understand that there's more I don't understand but I'll just start with that I felt like he put the defense in a terrible position and I think the defense bailed out Greg Roman I heard not one lie in that entire thing I mean you then you go look at the team stats right and you look at all the categories that we always look at uh, the three T's as as we like to call them right in terms of third down efficiency turnovers and time of possession, they won the turnover battle. They won the third down efficiency battle, just barely, but they didn't win the time of possession. And when you think about how much they were willing uh, their way to victory, drive in and drive out, especially in the first half when it comes to just gashing the Falcons and big chunk plays from JK and Gus, how did they not win the time of possession battle? Well, one, one being that massive clock eating 13, 14 play drive that you just referenced, right? Where the Ravens defense stood tall on fourth and one, thanks to Patrick queen and Isaiah Mack. And I know you, you already referenced that play where PQ shot through the tackles there. And, and, and Isaiah Mack, a recent practice squad call up. That's a big play. Uh, but that was probably, gosh, what every bit of seven, eight minutes. So to not win the time of possession battle to me was, was telling and I think it it speaks in large part to the way that Greg called this game specifically in the second half. And, and I think you tweeted this out. A bunch of folks tweeted it out. Sometimes he just wants to out. And you see this with a lot of, a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches league wide. I can remember having this conversation with some Browns folks getting ready for, for one of the games this past, uh, you know, within the last couple months or so, Kevin Stefanski always outsmarts himself. That's what they, that's what they say. You know, these, these young coaches try to outsmart themselves. It seems like Greg tried to do that a little bit in the fourth quarter, but he's not young. He's been around. So I just don't understand it. He'll have to answer for it during his press conference next week. But I really don't understand the philosophy or strategy there when really Atlanta had absolutely nothing to give offensively today. They had zero flow. Drake London's a hell of a talent. Not sure if Desmond Ritter's the answer there. They could very well be in the quarterback market again this offseason. But moral of the story. 
Come on, Greg, ground and pound, and let's get the heck out of here. Well, and then let me add to it, because this frustrated the heck out of me too. I thought there was one thing, because we we dissected his press conference last week, and um, one thing that I agreed with, because there was a lot I disagreed with, with with what he said in there, but one thing I agreed with is he said, we got to do better in the red zone. He goes, we can move the ball between the 20s. And then he's like, we get to the red zone, and then we fall apart. And I'm like, and and maybe I'll have to go back and look, but I could have sworn he made it sound like we were we were running between the twenties, and then we can't run. We're in the end zone, red zone. So I'm like, I had expected based off that press conference, okay, Greg is going to run run more in the red zone, but time and time again, he would let J.K. and Gus Edwards get him to the red, like that one where where J where Gus Edwards went off for 37 yards. Running dudes over. Nobody wants to tackle him in the cold. He's got stiff arms here and there. Then they get down there. Greg Roman goes right back to Gus. He looks a little bit tired after that 36-yarder, but no big deal. He gets another four yards. So Gus Edwards, like, single-handedly, along with some good blocking, but, I mean, he ran over some dudes, okay? He gets you 40 yards of back-to-back plays, and I'm like, oh, Gus looks tired, but it's the end of the third quarter. I'm like, sweet. Gus gets a little breather. You're at the six. Gus got you there. Just go back to Gus. Go yeah. back to Gus. But instead, <laughs> he runs again with Huntley, which can we stop pretending that Huntley is Lamar Jackson? Nobody's Lamar Jackson as a runner. And I appreciate that Huntley has a similar style and that he can run a similar offense. But quit calling his number, although I will give him props. He got the two-point conversion. There was some yeah. nasty blocking on that. Zeitler and Oliver opened it wide open on the on the two-point conversion. So, okay, we got it there. But not many other plays outside of that. Huntley is not as good of a runner as Lamar Jackson. Nobody is. Therefore, you still got J.K. and you still got Gus. But instead, he comes out of the, out of the quarter after Gus just got him 40 yards on back-to-back plays, runs Tyler, he gets nothing, throws it twice. And, oh, by the way, on the second one, Andrews, Mark Andrews is like, screaming for the ball in the red zone and Huntley just never throws it. And I'm like, I know, I know we want the passing game to be there and you can't give it up altogether, but you're giving up on Gus and JK altogether in the red zone. Why? Why? Sure. Keep them honest with the pass game, but you're not even doing it again. Ravens one for four in the red zone. And I just can't, I just can't figure it out. Like in the past, I've seen the players not again, Tyler Huntley didn't convert when Mark Andrews was there. So I suppose you can't blame uh Roman for that because the play should have worked. But then again, you keep betting on on this backup quarterback who's awesome. And now he's gotten, he's helped lead the Ravens, although I give it more to the defense in the run game to win these two out of three games without Lamar. But, like, they're not stopping J.K. and Gus. The only thing that stopped those two running backs in the red zone was Greg Roman because he's not giving him the ball. Am I not? Am I remembering this correctly? Did Was J.K.'s last carry in this game the third quarter? I, I mean, I, I need to go back and look because, Bobby, he had 50 rushing yards in the first half, and he only added, he only added nine in the second half. So, so that, that would make sense then. You talk, and I'll look then. this up. Yeah, you look it up because that would make sense. And And – also, Sarah, that would mean that back-to-back weeks now, they've abandoned him late. Now, Harbs was asked in the post-game press conference directly why they went away from J.K. 
And he said, oh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the design runs that, that we had scheme wise just fit better for Gus's style. OK, well, that might be the case, but they they abandoned the run altogether again in, the, in those in the game's final couple drives. So I, I don't quite understand why J.K. isn't asked to finish games. I know Gus can absolutely I know they're different style runners. I know Gus is uh, you know certainly capable of finishing off games. But gosh, when they're going in and out together and giving you two different punches, two different styles, two different punishing styles, too, I might add, uh, it's all the better. Do you find the stat at all? It, it looks still looking? to me, no, I, I got it. His last run, you were correct, third quarter with 4.50 left. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's, it's, we all know JK isn't all the way there yet. So maybe, uh, did Dobbins get a lot more than Gus in the first half? Not, not necessarily. Oh, J- now I will say though, Harbs did mention in the press conference because he was asked to, specifically about this this topic. And he said, oh, no, it's nothing related. And who knows? It could still be related to like, hey, you know, he's what, seven weeks removed or whatever it is, like seven weeks removed from the scope, the follow up knee procedure. So maybe and they're not just they're not airing that out. But now it's back to back weeks where they really haven't called on him to finish games. And you wonder if that's still going to be the case if if they make a run here in January because they need him. to. They need both of these guys. To close yeah. out games. That's, that's that's the strength of this team. It's a running back by committee. That's something that we all know. That's G Rose calling card, you know. So yeah, I, I'm a little confused there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I like again, this is again what their calling card is. You're up by 11, and and like you're still trying trying to pass. Now I do get like in the first quarter, you definitely could tell that the Ravens were trying to establish a deep passing game which Tyler Huntley just has not done. And so I'm fine with trying to establish that couple of big plays came out of it. There was, although the Sammy Watkins one was more of like a, a scramble and, uh, and did that. And then, but the one to, to, to Mark Andrews was gorgeous. I mean, it was a great pass from, from Tyler Huntley. It just, Andrews was running, sprinting pretty much full speed ball right there where it should be. So that one was gorgeous and I'm okay with them trying to establish it. Uh, but but uh, again, in the fourth quarter or even the red zone, I don't understand it. Like, try it, but it's it's literally was doing it at the expense of J.K. and Gus. And I and this is the the eternal complaint about Greg Roman, and it's his feel for play calling, and and it just is like, where is that feel for it? And you love people rave. And talk about and steal from his 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 running schemes. So use them, <laughs> use them, use them. Put them to use. I, I just it 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 really is. I don't know. Do you do you remember that scene uh, from from The Simpsons that basically shows how Homer became bald, like he had a full head of hair, yeah, yeah, and then he was frustrated yeah. with Bart, and he goes boom, 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 and basically he's left with those three lines. That's that's the way I felt in the fourth quarter that I could just pull my hair out because he's not using J.K. and Gus, especially in the red zone and late. Honestly, honestly, I like what Derek Jones comments here on our YouTube live stream. I'd love to see the Romans vault because I don't think it exists. We get more out of the Ravens vault, the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Appreciate that. Merry Christmas. Yeah, well, I think uh, that he's using whatever's in that vault too much. I don't I don't know that I like what's in the vault. That's my point. Stop pulling stuff out of the vault because 
JK and Gus are working. You don't need to go much crazier than that. Goodness so gracious. Let's, you, let's you, close the vault for a couple of days, a couple of weeks here. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned the return, stint number two of Sammy Watkins, who had the 40 yard reception there in the first half. And gosh, Sarah, you know, I think really we talked a little bit about it in the days following the Ravens claiming him off of waivers and then obviously calling up Andy Isabella, who had a great special teams play, by the way, did have a, a really bizarre, almost looked like a brain fart, uh, on, which caused the Ravens to, for, you know, they forced him to call a timeout. The whole team's like, yo, where are you lining up, bro? Where are you at? You know, and they had to call a timeout because of it. But I really like what they were doing with him in motion and misdirection stuff. It kind of seemed like he subbed in for, for the Devin Duvernay for the day. I don't know if that'll continue. We can get to At that least on the jet sweep. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. can get to that in a little bit, but, um, but for the Ravens to not only go to Sammy early today and he, and he answered the bell it was a beautiful throw, by the way, from Tyler on the run scrambling, got flushed out of the pocket. So credit to Snoop for that mobility and the, the, the discipline there, uh, but for the Ravens to not only go to him early, but also for him to be in, in some packages, the only wide receiver on the field, this organization's telling you how they feel about their current wide receiver room. It's completely up for grabs. And if Sammy's going to be that guy moving forward, great. I, we don't think, we both don't think he is going to be, but gosh, I mean, if that doesn't tell you the reality right now of the room and they only have themselves to blame, we've already talked about this at nauseum in recent weeks, then I don't know what does. Well, I think the the outsiders in the organization accept the reality. It's the inside the organization that may not accept the reality because they keep doing this year in and year out where it's just like, you know, they leave their quarterbacks without, you know, you know, big time, big time guys. Again, I still think that Sammy Watkins, I think the Ravens were fortunate that he was there. I think they should thank the Packers for it. Because, you know, you could argue he's their best receiver right now. And if not, maybe uh, Demarcus Robinson would be ahead. But that tells you if if Sammy Watkins can come in after being cut midseason and then be in the discussion for your best wide receiver. And not you know, even that, used in Green Bay. Like, uh, yeah. this dude, he, was, he had a month-long stint on IR because of the hamstring. But unless he goes on some kind of tear over the next couple of weeks – you know, the last two years, he's had career lows across the board, statistically speaking. So it's not even like this dude was like, like a, a key part out there for Aaron Rodgers. I guess he was a, a key locker room presence for a couple of his young guys, including Christian Watson, who certainly seems like, you know, he's kind of a breakout star for them. But we don't care about that right now. We need production. They got enough locker room leadership in Baltimore. They need production right now through the air if they want to compete in a month from now. It's not coming. The production through the air is not coming. Uh, it's it's not coming. You, like when and if Lamar, you know, returns between J.K. and 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 this is what you this is what you hope for. This is this is the best path forward. Is the defense keeps playing as well as it's been playing? Get Marcus Peters back. Clayus Campbell. Defense continues to like be your bread and butter then you hope, you hope that if Lamar returns, that Greg Roman will stop fighting his identity, stop fighting what his team is good at, stop fighting what he's good at, and lean into the run because with this healthy offensive line, J.K. and, and, and Gus, then add Lamar Jackson to that, 
this team could easily average above 200 rushing yards a game. 250 on a great day, 300. It wouldn't be crazy, okay? This passing game isn't going to be, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be what we saw. We just had to take a, keep, a couple of deep, deep passes to keep the defense honest. Okay, so we, we got to attempt him. Hopefully nothing bad comes from him, but you got to attempt him. Lamar's going to come back. He's going to revive Andrews, which I know Andrews wasn't getting tons of touchdowns with Lamar here. But again, Lamar and all and Lamar and Gus and JK have not been on the field together since 2020. Yeah. It's been almost two years. It's been almost two years. In fact, it was, yeah, basically in January will mark two years. So it will have been two years. So we haven't seen that offense with the three of them. So Please, Greg Roman, just understand your identity. Lean into those guys. Take a couple of D shots every here and there with, with Jackson and Watkins. Watkins is fast. You know, do that to try to open things up. But the passing game is not coming. It's not coming to, to it's not going to change. So lean into who you are and get as far as you can doing that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, Thor's right. Basically, the two Thor. top wide receivers in Baltimore right now both were cut by their respective or organizations at some point within the last year or so. It's like, man. That's very true. Let's see if Thor can respond back. Because, Thor, I would be for re-signing Demarcus Robinson, but as wide receiver three or wide receiver four is depth, yeah. right? I've been pleasantly surprised by him after that cut, right? He's the only one who's getting touchdowns, right? And every once in a while, he seems to, like, you know, catch a couple of, of balls per play. Uh, so I wouldn't be opposed to having Robinson back, but he better not be, you know. Obviously, um, Rashad Bateman will be back. Duvernay will be healthy. Is that what the Ravens are going to go into? Robinson, Duvernay, and, and, and Bateman again? I hope not. I think if you can get another big guy – then sure, then new guy who's, who's you know, Bateman level but stays healthy, and then Bateman and Duvernay and Robinson, then I'm feeling pretty good. But it can't be like, you know, 
You cannot go in with the same formula. Go get the depth like you've gotten at other places, like what, what Eric DaCosta did at tackle. He made sure that he had depth at tackle, right? It was like, not sure what's going to happen with, with um, um, Dewan James. No, or Ronnie no, no, Stanley. No, him too. Ronnie Stanley. Not sure what's going to happen with Ronnie Stanley. James is another one. Morgan Moses is getting a little old. So he drafts, you know, a tackle. And he also has McCarry. Like, go out there and get some depth to your receiving core. Let's do this. Let's do this. Do a combination of, of you know, draft picks and then, you know, some some more experienced guys who you know you can rely on. So uh, that so I'm here for Robinson coming back, but it can't be as like I'm saying like wide receiver four. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that. I totally agree with you, by the way. And and he's certainly capable of of being that guy for a team, not not the number one. What he did do today and you mentioned it off the top. Let's kind of peel back some more of this. That six yard touchdown pass uh, from Snoop to Demarcus ended quite a long and uh, depressing drought for the Ravens. Of course, it ended a 20 straight drive sequence, which spanned literally multiple games without a touchdown. It was their first touchdown in 135 minutes of gameplay. And of course, most notably, which really has been publicized everywhere. It was their first touchdown catch reeled in via the air by a wide receiver since week three, September 25th. Sarah, it had been 13 weeks. How? What can you do over a 13-week period? You do quite a bit. You can travel the world in a 13-week period. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You, you'd think you could score some touchdowns, but that that didn't, <laughs> that didn't happen. So, no, that's what I'm saying. It just... Again, I think that I think that it needs to be reversed. I think that if the Ravens start running the ball with J.K. and Gus in the red zone, it'll suck in defenses, and then and then maybe you can get you know some more uh, touchdown passes in, in the in the red zone. Again, Tyler Huntley did miss the one to to, to Mark Andrews today. Um, <clears throat> I I completely lost my train of thought. I was going to say something else about the wide receivers, and I can't I can't remember what I was going to say. I got distracted by one of the comments. But uh, Thor agrees. Thor agrees. By the way, wide receiver three. Oh, oh, this is what I was gonna say. I do want to give kudos to Robinson on that touchdown pass. That was a great jump ball. I wish Tyler Huntley had gotten a little bit more air on it, but it was still a nice pass from Tyler Huntley. And Robinson went up and he snatched it out of the air. Got both feet in. We got scared for a minute there. We all thought the streak was had been broken because they wanted to review it. But he clearly had possession. Had both feet. Kept possession. So uh, I thought that was a really, really nice play. In fact, it was one of those times I was like, give it to Gus. And then I was like, okay, you, you, you actually scored there. Or give it to JK. I'm like, okay, they actually scored through with the receivers. So that was a great play by both Robinson and Tyler Huntley. What were you going to say about Lamar? I was going to say, let's get to, let's get to Lamar and we'll get to some Q&A as well. John Harbaugh wasn't asked directly about him. Shockingly, he actually brought him up and said, you know, there's really no update on Lamar, but he's working his tail off to get back. And I think, you know, in order to properly open up this Q&A period, I think we begin with, if he's ready to go, Sarah, do you bring him back New Year's Day against the Steelers at home, having already clinched a playoff spot with, of course, the division on the line? I'm just going to straight up say yes. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Especially with the caveat you gave, which is if he's ready to go. 
We talked about this last week. If he's cleared by medical and he's comfortable, then you you go with him 1,000% because, number number one, you're still playing for playoff seating, and number two, uh, he's been out for three and a half games, and the offense doesn't have any any mojo yet, no, no, no chemistry, no, no, whatever. And so you need to build up to those playoffs. So you absolutely bring him back. Now, what I find interesting is as soon as that Ian Rappaport report came out that I, uh, tweeted, um, last week when, when he said, you know, the Ravens expect him against the Falcons, um, immediately all the online sports doctors, right? Especially, I'm trying to remember, uh, pro sports doc. He's probably the most famous one, right? Immediately him, there's another RX med or something like that. He's in my comments all the time. Immediately they were like, he's not coming back by Christmas day. Like it's, he's not coming back. And so, um, pro pro sports doc, or I'm, I'm forgetting his name but he thought it would be four weeks. And then I don't even know that it had been a a full three weeks. So I don't know if that might have been some Ravens maneuvering. I don't know. They don't give too many leaks, but if they do, it's to try to get a game advantage, you know? So I don't know if that was to try to get, you know, the Falcons to waste their energy on preparing for two different quarterbacks and maybe even three. Cause remember Tyler Huntley, went mispractice or was limited or something like that with his shoulder. So did he miss a full practice? He missed. No, a he did not one, right? miss one. No, no, oh, I don't no. Okay. this week. No, I don't. Yeah. With so. his shoulder. Just limited. Just limited. Okay. He may have missed. So, he may have missed the first, the first day of the week, but I thought it was just limited. So don't quote me on that. All right. So, um, anyway, for those that, that wonder, like you 1000% get an edge by keeping by making other coaches, especially early in the week, when they have no idea, the game planning gets done early in the week. You install it by midweek. So so in the Ravens case, they give their guys a, a day off on Monday, and then they kind of come back on Tuesday. But you as a coaching staff basically have to have your game plan ready by the time the players come back. And like Wednesday, you're implementing it on the field in that first practice. So to to put out a report and i'm not saying this is what happened but this is what you could do is you put out a report from somebody like Ian Rappaport who says they're expecting Lamar back by christmas and you're already wondering if he could be back cuz pcls are 1 to 3 weeks according to some 4 weeks and so that forces you i mean these guys have to be awake through the night i can tell you how many times i've seen coordinators sleep on their couches for a couple hours at night. It happens a lot. And if you don't think it drains them, it does. And then when you implement that to your players, it becomes even more complicated because they also have to prepare. Well, if it's Lamar, then it's this, if it's Huntley, then it's this. And it just, and listen, even if it gave you just a tiny bit of an edge, this game is a game of inches. It 100% is gamesmanship to hide who's ready and who's not. And that's why they're fine by Friday to say who's in and out because it's like whatever we just drained them you know what i mean we already we already got that win so um so it so i, I so anyway i guess my point is is that online docs were all incredulous when that report came out and said there was no way he was going to be back by christmas eve 
so Nick's commenting about, you know, essentially resting Lamar until he's at his healthiest. Uh, do not rush him with this injury. And, and I'd say this, don't rush him. Of course not. But the timetable that we just referenced, he's already on the outside of that timetable, right? So to me, unless there was a setback, unless there was something that wasn't shared publicly, then he's got to go out there January 1st because let's not act like it was all sunshine and rainbows when he went down a few weeks back. His timing was down. His accuracy with the deep ball was down at times, aside from that 62-yard bomb, which is a thing of beauty with Deshaun Jackson. Um, some of his decision-making was down. And then especially when you when you sit down and you don't play NFL football for three, four weeks, I mean, you got to get your legs from underneath you when you are back. So he's going to need a couple of weeks in order to be you know, fresh to get ready for postseason football. So I don't want to see what happened again in 2019 because we all know what happened in, in that regular season finale. They decided to go with RG3 and pretty much all of their reserves uh, up, and, up and down the offense, even on the defense as well in that regular season finale. And uh, essentially there was an over two-week break until the divisional round game against Tennessee. And we all remember what happened after the bye week. I don't want to see history repeats itself. I, I honestly, maybe Nick can clarify or, or let us know these, the comments that say don't rush so-and-so back. I've never heard somebody claim, Hey, let's rush them back. <laughs> like, so I don't, so that comment seems to me like no, nobody is saying let's rush somebody back. If they're still, if they're still hurt. If anybody ever says that, it's the players about themselves, right? But, but you know, if if there's no risk of of, uh, it's it's what you always say. If the he's medically cleared, and he feels comfortable, he should be out there. There's there's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. I mean, if the Ravens were already clicking on offense or whatever, or he like like if you go back to 2019. There was an argument, right, when the Ravens were 14-2. and two, They had clinched. There was nothing they could gain by playing in that final regular season finale. And so he rested. But then you could argue that that was a mistake because then the offense was cold when they came back against the Titans. But it's in that scenario that you say, okay, maybe we can afford to rest not only Lamar but the whole offense and not risk injury. But this is not the case here. The, the, the offense is still searching for their mojo. They didn't have it while Lamar was there. They, had, they did it early in the season, but really haven't quite been the same since Bateman went down. And so they're trying to find themselves, and to try to do that on a playoff stage is unrealistic. Let's go inside the locker room, courtesy of Ravens Productions. John Harbaugh just addressed his team after this win over the Falcons. Here he is. That was one we really, really had to have. Do you guys all agree? That was a really important game. That was a gut check kind of game. All right, that they came in here with every intention of ruining our season and making their season, and you didn't let them do it. All right, that's what that's what a championship team does. It doesn't have to be pretty and sweet and all that kind of stuff. It's just got to it's got to be tough and hard, and it's got to be it's got to be what's got to be done. And you did what had to be done. All right, defense. You got stops when you had to get them. You got stops in the goal line. You got stops on third down. You got stops on fourth down. How about for the defense offense? Offense, you got it done. You got done what you had to get done, okay? And it wasn't going to be pretty out there. It's about zero degrees out there. The wind's blowing. But we ran the football. We ran, I don't know what the yards were, and I don't care. 
We got the yards we had to get when we had to get them. You said you wanted to run the ball in the red zone, and you put the ball in the end zone. And offensive line, you ushered away, led by all you guys, Ronnie, Morgan, Ben. I see you guys standing there. Ben, too, all you guys. Zeit, all right? Is there, uh, where's Linderbaum at? Where's Linderbaum? What are we talking about, guys? Linderbaum, right, right there. <laughs> Where he always is, right in front, right? Just like the center should be. I'm proud of you guys, okay? So we're not going to do any game balls tonight, all right? We're going to be grateful. We know what tonight, do you all know what tonight is? Right? Tonight's Christmas Eve, all right? It's the most holy night, all right? So um, I want you to enjoy Christmas Eve, you know? Joey, I know you'll be in church. All right, I might, maybe we'll see you there. I don't know. It depends how long. It's a long mass tonight, though, you know? It's a little longer mass, you know? But, uh, but you know, be grateful and be thankful. All right. I'm, I, one thing I, I got here, I just want to, this one thing, I got a lot, but I'm not going to read it, but this is, this is the Bible scripture quote. And I just want to leave us with this, then I'm going to get a break by whoever wants to get the break, okay? Whoever feels, Bonnie, you're going to get the break for the team. All right, you're going to get the break for the team. And uh, hey, this guy's playing, he's playing great football too, isn't he? All right. But, uh, and we'll, we'll leave with this, then, then we're going to be off tomorrow, Christmas Day. All right, and I want you to rest. I don't want you to think about anything. You can watch games if you want. That's about it. All right, so we'll get our minds right, not till Tuesday, but Tuesday we start thinking in that direction. You're all good with that? So just one thought, and I want to give honor. I just want to give some praise where it belongs because I'm grateful, okay? I'm going to say this. I'll say, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I would say tonight, his favor rests on us, okay? Congratulations on what you did. Yo, guys, like Coach said, it's a, it's a holy night. You know, it's Christmas Eve. Let's not forget, you know, what's most important. Glory to God, you know, to the most high. And just be thankful for give, him giving us this opportunity to be here together. You know, we're all, um, you know, healthy. We're, we're able to, to work together in, in this environment. And uh, let's use this time wisely. Uh, spend time with your family. Uh, you know, tell yourself, you know, remind yourself what's, what's important. Um, but just know the enemy is coming. We gotta, we, 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 we gotta reload. Just be ready. Just be ready. I know y'all know that. You know, have a good, have a good Christmas. <laughs> Family on three. One, two, three. If that doesn't give you a, a great inside look at the organization, I'm not sure what does. And I've certainly been one to put out some videos in recent weeks about the speculation going on internally related to the Greg Roman, you know, fire fire Greg Roman messages and all the speculations that's been out there and a lot of the doubt and a lot of the pessimism, but that sure looks like to me, and I've never doubted that he lost the locker room. Let me just make it very clear. That sure looks like to me, one, a winning locker room, two, a locker room that's playing for its head coach and together and for one another, and three, it just feels like things are in unison. You don't want to get too ahead of ahead of yourself in that moment right because that's a winning locker room and uh it, it means a lot to win and yes you know granted big big picture they still have a lot more work to do but that looks like chemistry to me right there one thousand percent one thousand percent with so much negativity surrounding the team and we've been a part of that i mean we have we i think we did three since the last game i think we had three morning volts surrounding greg roman <laughs> And, and just, um, you know, just the, the play calling that is suspect. And despite that, it, it is true what Roman said. There's, it's like two different worlds. And I know that because I worked in there for 13 years. And it's like, it just is like when everybody's negative surrounding you, you can either give into that negativity and say, you're right, put a fork in us, we're done. Our passing game is off. Let's let that 
our passing game is not off. Our passing game is terrible. <laughs> we've got we've got one of the worst passing games in the league, and and maybe some people in there agree that the play go- the play calling on the offense is suspect. I I don't I did not like the play calling calling the last couple of weeks. It's been bad in my view. That said, you have two choices. You can give in to that negativity and let it overshadow everything else that's going well. The Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen duo. You can let it overshadow the Broderick Washingtons of the world. You can let it overshadow J.K. Dobbins having back-to-back 100-plus-yard rushing games right after surgery. You can let it overshadow that Tyler Huntley, who is not Lamar Jackson, nowhere close, but still has led this team to two wins with Lamar out, plus a third one in the, when, the, when the game was on the line and Lamar had gone out against the Broncos. You can let it overshadow all of those things and give into it, or you can get closer together. And, but, and while you're closer together, you attack the issues that you do have and continue to fortify the strengths that you have. And that's a locker room that's doing the latter and not the former. It's not giving into the negativity. It's not pointing fingers. It's none of that. It's, a, it's, it's what they did last week. Let's look at every single offensive play together and let's get it fixed. And is it fixed? No. But was the, was the passing deep game better? Yes. Did they finally score in the red zone? Yes. And so all you can do is to keep hoping that they will inch their way better and better and better. And so, and that stuff is real to them. People, uh, again, when you're pushing yourself, when's the last time you pushed yourself to the point where you're about to break? Because when, when you do that, you become a different person. These guys push themselves week in and week out. And so people joke about John Harbaugh and the rah-rah, you know, kind of speeches that he gives. But Ronnie Stanley, his all-pro left tackle, echoed what he said. This is a holy night. Let's give praise to God. When you see Lamar Jackson tweeting all the time, he's giving praise to God. These things are real to them, and it lifts them above the weaknesses that they have. And that's all you can do. That's all you can ask for them. In addition to lean into your identity, Greg Roman, (laughs) right? Please do that. But at the same time, it's what you said. Let's come closer together. And they're they're doing that around their faith in God and around their faith in each other. And I love it. That was courtesy of Ravens Productions there. And I think along these same lines of – leadership right we just saw a lot of leadership in that three minute clip you want to know who showed a whole lot of that to not seventy thousand in the bank but let's say i don't know a fraction of that i'm guessing today at the bank if isn't it like a seventy thousand capacity stadium am i not wrong with that i think it's somewhere around there it's a little over that yep yeah right around there so let's say there was a fraction of that i'm not going to go ahead and guess but it i think it was probably less than half i would have to think today based on some shots that i saw on fox but Real fan Dan, the greatest (laughs) Ravens fan there is, came ready, prepared, and ripping and roaring today in what was literally recorded as, at the start of kickoff, the coldest temperature-wise game, home game, in Ravens history. Here's a shot of Real Fan Dan for those that are watching, streaming right now, and there's also some audio as well uh, with Jerry Sandusky, Ravens play-by-play broadcaster. 
crowd is getting roiled up because real fan Dan has taken off his shirt in the upper deck and the chant begins. telling you right now this dude there better be a ring of honor slot for this guy when it's all said and done because he is electric that was it's so awesome well i don't know what the what was the the temperature there where i'm at it's like it was two degrees today it was negative two yesterday uh i know it's probably single digits so to get there and get out there and do that and get the crowd riled up on christmas eve when it's freezing out there and the team needs you behind your back. And you can, I just love when he's like, nah, that's not hard enough. And he does it again. And then it does, it explodes with, with it. Good for him. And I know that they've done, they've done some, uh, some stories on him, you know, kind of his background. He's been through some tough stuff too. So yeah. it's nice to see that he, you know, he can bring so many thousands of people together. By the way, the capacity is 71,008. Okay. Yeah. So just <laughs> North right. and, uh, yeah. you know, along the same lines of, of, of fandom and obviously you had to be diehard to be out there today. Not only is it, you know, frigid temperatures, but it's Christmas Eve and it's a holy day and, and it's a, a day surrounded by family and typically travels and, and, and all that stuff. You know, John Harbaugh took a few moments to, to recognize those that came out to the bank today. It was good. Uh, you know what the fans, I mean, how about all the fans that came to the game today? I mean, it's Christmas Eve day, right? Uh, it's zero degrees, you know, it's not exactly, you know, my ideal outdoor sport weather unless you're an ice fisherman or something. Who would, who would really want to do that? Right. <laughs> so I don't think that's about fishing anyway, is it? No. So uh, <laughs> maybe coming to the game isn't either. I don't know. But really, really, uh, really proud of our fans. They were loud. They were into it. You know, it was, it was a smaller crowd, but it was a really loud crowd. And I'm really grateful for those fans. Uh-huh. And I'll just add this, Sarah. I don't even think I've really led you on to this. We haven't caught up on it. My last 48 hours has been really, really moving, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday. A buddy of mine by the name of Kyle reached out. Uh, he had a recent loss in his family, in his immediate family, and he wanted to do something nice for the holiday. And he had two tickets for today's game that he wanted to give out through my platform. I, I felt you know, obviously flattered that he thought of me to do that. And of course, I put together a post uh, at his request and submissions came flying in. Um, the way I worded it was, you know, Kyle and I are looking for folks that are in need of a smile this holiday season. Please, we want to hear your story and we want to randomly select uh, two people to go to the to game. I kid you not, I think over the last 48 hours, I have handed out I have essentially facilitated, indirectly handed out over 50 tickets from generous Ravens wow. fans who donated them, transferred them to my email for me to then send out to folks accordingly based on their stories and their submissions and all that stuff. And I, I kid you not, I, I can't wait to put together a video on this because Ravens fans' generosity and, and their season ticket, the season ticket holder generosity that I witnessed over the last 48 hours brought me so much joy and appreciation for this fan base, for this time of year, for this team, for us and what we're doing here. And 
I just can't wait to put more of my thoughts down on paper, um, read some of the stories of what people are going through. And uh, ultimately, the Ravens got a win today, right? And they clinched a postseason ticket. But they made a lot of people joyful inside that stadium. And um, and hearing some of the stories and, and, and the, the tragedies and the triumphs and the, and the fighting and, and the battling that everybody does this time of year, uh, it was just really inspiring. So I thought that'd be a good way to close and uh, just kind of jump on, you know, piggyback off of what John said. I, I'm really, really appreciative of some of the people that we've cultivated here, and I hope we continue to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, I did not know that, uh, partly because we know that I live on on Twitter and I don't go on the other social media platforms. You're banned from Twitter, so all that is probably being told on the social media platforms that I don't go on. But that makes me so happy because it sounded like you said your friend was was going through some rough stuff right now, right? And yeah. so it's like, it's again, it's another example of how like, when you're going through rough stuff, I bet, I, have you told your friend this story? Oh, he's watched it unfold because I've basically okay. updated my my audience on Facebook every couple hours. Like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's how many tickets we have now. And like I said, I got to do the final totals. But Sarah, I think we doled out over 50 tickets. Jeez. See, Bobby, see, that's the thing. It's like another lesson of like, when you're going through it, and I bet there's people that are listening to us right now that are going through it. You know what I mean? Like challenge yourself to say somebody else is going through it worse than me. And I promise you, if you make somebody else's day, that's going to lift, lift you up. So I'm sure your buddy through whatever he's going through is like, holy moly, I could have, you know, stewed in my, my, my situation that I'm in, which anybody would be like, rightfully so you're going through it. So we understand, but instead this turned out to be a pay it forward kind of situation, right? Where it's like, he didn't just make two people's day. It ended up making 50 people's day. And so that's the challenge. Like when you're going through it, look to lift somebody else up because it'll end up lifting both of you up. Oh, it became contagious, you know, and, and some folks in the comments section are asking, uh, they want to be reminded of how I got banned on Twitter. And, and it was, it just got to go back to the Buffalo game, you know, the, the Bills game that was in, in Baltimore this year. And remember that bogus roughing the passer call on Brandon Stevens that, you know, kind of helped decide the, the game there when he barely even, I mean, it was just perfect textbook stuff there on Josh Allen and he was called for roughing the passer. And we all know how that game ended. Bang, bang. Um, I tweeted out the slow-mo replay. I think that game was broadcast on CBS and I tweeted it out with my iPhone, literally taping it on my iPad, like every content creator does in America. And I woke up the next day and my Twitter account was suspended. I've appealed it however many times since so anyway, to no avail, but whatever, I've just focused on other things and it's been a nice cleanse and, and we're working on our YouTube channels and, and our podcasts. And we're incredibly appreciative of, of everybody who supports the vault and, and what we're building here on a daily basis. And we just wanted to say, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to everybody out there. We are uh, obviously going to take Christmas Day off. Uh, which is this coming Sunday, tomorrow. We'll be back in action with a Monday morning vault. And uh, January 1st is the next time the Ravens are in action. It's a home game, round two, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, uh, we also want to send our condolences to the Pittsburgh crowd because of uh, losing Franco Harris. And I think it was just days short of the, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, too. And he was set to be 
uh, honored this weekend in Pittsburgh and have his jersey retired. So mm. I know it's difficult. Speaking of difficult times, I'm sure it's you know incredibly difficult for Steeler fans right now. But uh, so anyway, we're looking forward to that. What do you got going on tonight? You, you guys doing anything special for Christmas Eve with the kids? Well, yeah, but hold on, Bobby. This is I, I got to go back to Thor here. Because <laughs> you're if you don't see it, because this is going to be a funny joke for a couple of weeks. Thank you, Bobby Bricks and Sarah Swish. I like it. He added on to it. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, guess what? We're hey, we're, wherever Jeff is right now, I'm sure he'll be popping up in the inbox. If you guys want to hit us up on uh, via email too, it's it's Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com. But listen, Jeff, we both predicted it right this time around. Okay. We both predicted a Ravens win. I think I was 20 to 17. You were a little bit lower, so you probably get the nod on that one. But uh Jeff can't be coming from my head this week. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not this week, but but yeah, this is that's hilarious. If any of you need more back background to Bobby Bricks, it's in our preview. Um, real quick, <clears throat> McClellan for five dollars asks us to predict the Ravens' first playoff game. I say right now, it looks like Ravens Titans first round. That's a great matchup for the Ravens, and I could see them winning that. But again, that's pending Lamar Jackson's return. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go with the fact that I think they're going to be the wild card. I'm not going to go out on a limb here. I think they're going to be the wild card team. I think since he's just too dominant, um, they're showing that they belong and that they're a heck of a contender again to come out of the AFC. So uh, we'll, we'll see. And hey, if, if history repeats itself in the Ravens, you know, organization and their 26 years of existence, uh, being the wild card team tends to go well for them. So we'll, we'll see if they can do that. But uh, again, January 1st, Ravens Steelers from home that day. I will be at uh, Pickett Brewing Company on Paca Street outside M&T Bank Stadium from 10 to noon doing a little bit of a pregame live stream. I believe Kadri is going to be dropping by for a little while and maybe we'll even get you to pop on virtually for uh, 20 minutes or so because we can't have you get any FOMO in early 2023 there, partner. <laughs> this is a one o'clock game on a yeah, I'm not going to be in there. I'll be I'll be at church. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's Coming true. That's true. TV you got a commitment. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all good. To answer your last question, my kids are waiting for Christmas Eve to start. They keep waving to me through my doors. It's 613 on Christmas Eve. So I'm excited to go celebrate with them. I know you want to get back to your family, Bobby. I'm sure there's a ton of people listening getting to get back to their family. So, uh, you know, Merry Christmas from me. No morning vault Monday morning because we're not working Christmas Day. I know I can oh, already imagine yeah. the tweets coming. Where's my morning vault? I know technically that'll be the day after Christmas, but we record them the night before. I'm not going to record the night of Christmas. So our next vault will be Tuesday morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. My days are all mixed up. These Saturday games got me tripping over here. So, yeah, let's uh, let's shut it down. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and yours. The only thing we ask of you, if you've been enjoying our content, you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing. Please consider hitting that little ring, that little bell noise so that when we go live, when we release our daily videos, you get a notification directly sent to your phone and it allows you to keep up with us because we're pumping out content on a daily basis. And uh, we, we really, really appreciate you guys. Topics for next week, as always, hit the email address at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. We had over 250 people here on Christmas Eve watching concurrently at maximum. So that means a lot for our growth, means a lot for your support. 
And for my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett saying Feliz Navidad on this one. The Ravens approved a 10-5 and overall. They've clinched a spot in the postseason. And the Steelers loom in week 17 of this 2022 NFL season. You will next hear from us on Tuesday, December 27th. Good night and Merry Christmas. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.